0: Welcome to Things That Will Help with Buffy Barfoot. This podcast explores what it's like to be human and how to find tools to feel clear, grounded, and happier. The weekly theme will be simple as well as rich and something you can apply to your real life. The human stories ahead do not negate the hard or the dark, but rather point to the lighthouses along the way. This is Buffy. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Things That Will Help podcast. It's so hard for me to believe that I've been recording this podcast for two years now. What a growth experience for me, and it's been such an honor and a privilege to be with you. And I know many of you listening have been here since the very first episode. And I just want to take a moment to thank you for being such a part of this special community, and thank you for supporting me in this creative adventure. Today I want to talk to you about rejection in all forms and I want to share with you a few perspectives that have helped me recently. It's safe to say that everybody who's human experiences rejection at different points in their life and to me some periods of time feel like hot spots where we're more likely to be rejected and usually that coincides with times when we're very brave and vulnerable and when we're trying new people and new things and we're pushing ourselves outward in some specific way, that's when we're going to get rejected more. Um, <laughs> and I am going through one of those periods right now in a big way, I'm in this humbling process of sending out my writing to different places and different people. And, and I know that inevitably, most of the time, it will be rejected. And I'm just hoping that it will land in the hands of the right situation. And what I'm learning is pretty incredible and it's humbling, but it's also strengthening and transformational, And so I thought I would share it with you. My friend and colleague, this dear and talented yoga teacher, Patrick Montgomery, Patrick and I used to run a 300-hour teacher training program together and back before the world changed. (laughs) And Patrick would always say to the students who were there to refine their their teaching, he would say, "Um, when it comes to theming and sharing something of yourself through story. You should teach from your scars and not your wounds. And I always loved when he said that, and I always agreed with him, because when we tell our stories from, from our scars, we usually have the insight of wisdom and time and hindsight. And in general, we're less emotional and covered up by the whole thing. And so mostly I try to live by this, teaching with a little distance from a sharply hurting about something place. (laughs) But today I would say that some of my rejection wounds have not turned into scars yet. And I think talking from that place might be interesting too, because I'm actively learning something right now in real time. And though your story of rejection is different than mine, I think that we can find a thread or a through line that is worthy of talking about in general in terms of how we process and digest and assimilate rejection. Being rejected attacks our sense of belonging and our need to feel like we fit into something. And what's helping me lately is to remember that every rejection is also a narrowing into the possibility of a more specific belonging. And what I've realized through this tender recent process is that I don't want to belong to everyone. I don't want my writing to belong just anywhere. And I'm trying to see it as the more my opportunities are shaved down by rejection and sort of tapered in the closer i am to finding my place and i don't want my place to be everywhere i want it to be specific to me and to my talents and where can i where can i be of value and of service and so that's not this big blanket of overall acceptance, even though I think my, you know, my ego would like that. Ultimately, at the end of the day, I don't think that's what I want. And I know that's easier said than done. But for a minute, let's talk about love and dating and falling in love and partnership. And I know, I know some of you are in this this wilderness place of dating, and especially now with online dating, I know that rejection is sometimes digital and instantaneous and especially weird in this day and age so that you can you can actually reject and get rejected before you even explore whether there is physical chemistry. But in a way, it helps you not waste your time. So it sort of shaves down... The opportunities right away, so there's there's less rigmarole around that, and then you sort of start to quicker get to the heart of who you do belong to and where you do belong i walk- <laughs> I walked down the stairs this morning to ask Matt what he thought about this, and he was making a tortilla, and he had um he had spread cream cheese on it, and then he put raspberry jam on top of that, and he looked really really happy <laughs> about about his recipe. And so he's rolling this up and and I said, "What what do you do when you're rejected? What helps with rejection?" And he stared at me um while he was taking a bite of this jelly cream cheese tortilla and he said, "To not get rejected. That's what helps." <laughs> and yes, I agree. None of us want to be rejected it feels really hard and when we are rejected, we're generally not soothed by reason. The pain we feel doesn't feel consolable, at least right at first. But because I'm in this very alive, very active cycle of inevitable rejection, here is something that I'm learning about mindset. I'm actually enjoying when it's personal. Because that means, that represents that somebody understood me or sees what I'm doing. And then they made an active choice that my particular flavors are not what they were looking for. And actually, I'm starting to see that that's better than not being seen at all. And what we, we don't usually get to know is exactly why we are not a fit. But the more ourselves we become, the more rejected we're going to be. Because the hunt for specific belonging is not for the faint of heart. It's not for, you know, people that are hiding. Because it's such a brave and it's such a worthwhile quest to find our people and our place. And the older I get, the less interested I become in pleasing like big swaths of people. And the more intrigued I become in this small boutique size belonging, belonging where you can really be your own strange little specific birdhouse. I was talking to a good friend of mine yesterday and she works for an amazing organization here in Denver. Um, it's one that works with education and children and advocacy for a better world. And she was telling me that what is trending right now in the job market is people are really pursuing what makes them passionate and people are quitting their high paying jobs that are kind of stealing their souls and they're, they're trying to trade those positions in for jobs that they really believe in. And they want to be with companies that they believe in their mission. So my friend is working for this amazing organization with this heart-centered mission. And they have this job opening. And she said that hundreds of resumes are flooding in. And so many of them, most of them, are people who are overqualified. But they are willing to take this big pay cut to be part of this really special mission. And she said that she was going to have to reject so many amazing people, mostly because they're too qualified. And so it was a good reminder for me that we're not privy always to the whole story of why we're being rejected. And it's almost always about fit. And I think it's less about lack of or ugliness or all the things that our low self-worth cooks up in our imaginations. And because I'm getting a lot of rejection practice, I'm I'm starting to feel I'm getting better practice at feeling pretty immediately a kind of like okay, oh good. I'm that's ruled out. That person's ruled out. So I get to keep turning to more and more specific people to find a magnetic connection and that fit will ultimately be more satisfying and when we really do find our people in our place it's going to feel sweeter than just kind of a general overall acceptance because I'm going to tell you if you try your whole life to please everybody and to fit in everywhere, and if you try to mainstream yourself, first of all, you're going to be exhausted. And also, your potency and your art and your uniqueness is going to get so watered down that you won't even be interesting anymore. And none of us want that. So I think we got to keep working on our weird... Birdhouses, (laughs) birdhouses. <laughs> and the the reason I'm on birdhouses right now as as like a visual image of our kind of little weird artistic souls is this morning um on the way to school Otis played the song Birdhouse in My Soul by They Might Be Giants. I don't know if you know that song. It's just just I love it and it catapulted me back to early college. And it's written from the perspective of a nightlight talking to the observer in the room and it's just such a strange and beautiful song. And so I've been thinking about birdhouses all day because they are, they're tiny and they're decorative and, and many of them are so detailed, but they don't have a lot of room and not everybody, not all the birds can fit in them. Um, but sometimes a bird will come and they'll stay for a little while and they'll pick and eat and then leave. And if they leave, they don't leave because the birdhouse isn't beautiful or special. They leave because they're also in this big life and they're juggling a million other things in a day. And so here we are, we're making these beautiful little lives for ourselves. And people and opportunities come and visit us there in our in our worlds and sometimes we get lucky and our worlds intersect for a little while or even a long while, and we can try to embrace whatever is beautiful in those times and continue to mine our craft and to make these spaces for connection. You know, um, in Google Maps, when you're looking at at the map and you scan over you like move the page over with your hand to see a street or an area that's not on your route but you need to see something else. A button will pop up as an option and that button says recenter. And you can press it and then it takes you back to the center of your route. And I love that button. I always think about that button when I get rejected or when something knocks me off track because the the hurt, the wound Takes me off map for a little while, makes me feel sad and less than. And it takes me like into the roads of, you know, wanting to quit and low self esteem and questions like, where do I belong and who do I belong to? You know, all those roads. But then that button will pop back in my mind, recenter. And that recentering takes me back to my route it takes me back to my birdhouse and back to the the specificity of my weirdness and how i know now even through these disappointments because they're real too all those feelings are real but how i know that i really only want a small and mighty and very specific belonging um I'm going to tell you another story that is also sort of in the rejection camp, but a little bit different. Um, So a little bit of background on this story. um, I've been lately a little burned out with just mothering and having two small kids all the time and, and the toll that COVID has taken on all of us. And also the unexpected kind of evaporation of my yoga teaching and all that's transpired in the last couple of years. A lot of burnout has built up for all of us, myself included. And so a long story shortened, I was talking on the phone to my sister-in-law, Christy, and um, I was telling her all this. and, And she just out of the blue offered to come and stay at our house with our children while Matt and I went. On a grown up vacation, just for the two of us for a solid week. And I just never even thought that that was a possibility. Um, And when she offered this, it was also kind of on one of my weariest days as a mother. And I just started weeping. It just like released a valve in me that just let down and allowed me to soften and be held. And it just sounded so, so good. And so I'm just weeping and I got off the phone. I was very emotional and I ran into the room where Matt was and I just fell down on my knees and I was still crying. And I told him about this offer and he just looked at me and he said, why are you crying? And keep in mind that though Matt is a very present and engaged father, he's an amazing father, he's not with these kids all day, every day. So he has a lot of separation, like during the days, he has long days where he works with adults. Um, and so he doesn't have the same burnout that I have it, it with the kids. And so I but I just had this moment when he said this, "Why are you crying?" I just had this moment of feeling absolute rejection. And I thought, "Do you even know me? Like have you have you seen what I've shouldered? Like what do you mean, why am I crying? Why don't you know why I'm crying?" And so I just crumbled. And it felt really lonely. And all of this happened internally really fast. And I thought, well, you don't want to go like you don't think I deserve to go. And, you know, it was it was a it was just kind of a crack in the in the moment where I just was paralyzed and a little bit of time passed. And then, of course, not surprisingly, he course corrected and he came he came back to me without me having to say anything, he said, Buffy, I'm, I'm really sorry. I totally get it. It just kind of caught me off guard why you were so emotional about this. And you're like, yes, of course, let's do this. I'm with you. And he's like, I'm not as exhausted um, by the kids as you are because I'm not with them all the time. So I'm sorry I didn't see you in this right away. But And it was great that he did that. But even before he course-corrected, I had already had a light bulb moment and recognized that it, him feeling differently or having a different reaction did not have to be a rejection. Somebody who's not having the same reaction to you and the same emotional experience is not a rejection. It can feel lonely and misunderstood, but just because they're not reacting the same way doesn't have to take away from your experience. So in that same, um, in that same story, the same day I texted my dear friend and I was like, guess what? And I put like, you know, a, a million exclamation points. And I said, Matt and I are, are getting to go on vacation by ourselves for a week without the kids. Oh my God. Oh my God. Isn't this amazing? And you know, it's just this really huge, you know, emoji parade and just big reaction from me on the text. And she wrote back something like, that's great. And it was really flat. And also kind of like what I heard in the tone and in parentheses was, why are you crying Buffy? You know? And I also heard like, why is this such a big deal to you? But in actuality, what I found out just a few minutes later was that wasn't at all what was happening in her world. It turns out that when I texted her about my vacation, she was sitting bedside with her dear friend and mentor who had just entered hospice. And she was in a very heavy moment that had nothing to do with my vacation and how big she thought that was or how important she thought that was. So you see... We never know when we put ourselves out and we share and we send away our stuff and we invite people to our little birdhouses that we spent so much time building. We never know where they are in their day. And their reaction more depends on where they are than where we are. And so I think it's important that we remember that we are the center of our world, but we're not the center of other people's. And to know this is a gift, I think, not a letdown. It's a fact that should soften us in some ways and help us turn back to tend to ourselves in really sweet ways. So my remedy to rejection for now in this kind of raw process that I'm in. My remedy to feeling vulnerable and exposed is to just keep crafting and carving out what we are up to in this heartbreaking and beautiful world. The one thing that we can't do is stop. We keep sharing and showing and sending in our submissions and not thinking so much about making our skin thicker as much as we do think about becoming more excited about the belonging pool that's getting more interesting and more curated not trying not not putting yourself out there not making some kind of brave effort has a much different sorrow and it's a sorrow that is bitter and resentful and and has a lot of regret, and that's not helpful to to put your birdhouse out of business. And I believe that if we keep putting ourselves out there and we keep becoming more and more ourselves, we will magnetize the right people and the right places, and I think it's just a matter of time. We're not meant to attract everything. So we have to stay patient, and we have to wait for what is ours. And I believe that it will become apparent in whatever time it takes. And in the meantime, while you wait, you keep working on your masterpiece. The masterpiece that is your life. Your daily, messy, glorious, falling apart, shining, joyful, sorrowful life. And the more yourself you are, the better people you're going to find. I'd like to leave you with a Richard Bach quote. This is from the book Illusions. He says, a magnet is not anxious about how it works. It is itself, and by its nature, it draws some things and leaves others untouched. I'm so grateful to you, dear listeners. You are a lighthouse for me. This podcast continues to fill me up and give me purpose and helps to make me feel alive in the world I hope that it's helpful to you too so thank you Um, if you are enjoying things that will help podcast and it's helping you please become a patron the smallest amount each month helps and keeps this little birdhouse going the information for that is in the show notes much love